0: Thanks, Pete. I think this is Pete's way of just shortening my talk. Um, But uh, Hi, everyone. My name's Dan. Um, I'm one of the the leaders here. Uh, Pete reckons we've been on a sabbatical, but we've only been away for two weeks. We've been on holiday. Um, Great to be back. Great to see you all. Um, And I hope you're back with some energy after the summer. Maybe you're coming back thinking, oh, no, I've got to get back into it. Um, But it's great. It's really great to see you all um, after the summer. We're doing a mini series off the back of the vision series we did before the summer. Um, It's a great time as we've had a summer of reflection. um, We've digested some of the things that we believe God is leading us to as a church, and we're getting back into things. So, um, it, it's it's something that we need to navigate through together, and this is what this mini series is about. It's called "Play Your Part." Um, we believe this is this is of God. We've said we've said it um, a few times. We believe that this is um, what God is leading the church in, and we are a church. Um, it's not the few of us; it's all of us um, that play a part. In, in God's kingdom. And this is what the series is all about. So we've got three weeks where uh, myself, Pete and Anya will take us through a few topics. We're also in a, in a period of transition uh, as a church, as central vineyard here in Northampton. Stephen Tummy, our founding pastors, have been commissioned now to go and plant uh, Garden City Vineyard in Milton Keynes. And we've got a new leadership team in place here. Um, And we really believe this is about God empowering his people. Um, It always has been the case, um, but we want to make sure that that's what we're building here. You know, it may be one step at a time, um, but how does God empower his church Um, for our acts of service. We sung a line this morning, everything I have for your kingdom come. Everything I have for your kingdom come. It's about building God's kingdom and how can we navigate through that as a church, being empowered by the Holy Spirit. So as a church, we want to primarily be followers of Jesus, we want to be transformational through the renewing work of the Holy Spirit. And we want to be a community of followers, um, that we're all part of the body, the church, renewing our town, the people around us, our communities, our workplaces, with the redeeming work of the Holy Spirit. And we believe this is about trusting God to Him empower His people that we each play our part in this. Works, God works through all of us, whether we're together or whether we're sending each other out into our different places, schools, workplaces, homes, communities. It was great to see all of those stand up earlier that, that work with children and youth. You know, how can we send each other out and pray for each other, support each other in those things? And of course, there's a succession leadership team, uh, Vicky, I, Pete, and Anya. We, our job is to guide, but it's not to do. Um, we've got a great staff team, ministry leaders, volunteers, lots of dedicated people. But this is, all, this is about all of us. This is about us as a body of Christ one of the values of the Vineyard Movement, movement is, is always encouraged that everyone gets to play. Uh, a phrase that John Wimber, the founder of the Vineyard Movement, was often known to say. And as a church, we want to do this by equipping us all for works of ministry. So this is why we want to prompt this mini- uh, mini-series to prompt us all as individuals and as a community uh, to know how we all play our part as a church in his body. Um, One thing that's really struck me actually, as I've been preparing is, um, can be a tension area between the being and the doing. And really this is what this morning's talk is all about. It's called prayer which fuels mission um, but what I want us to think about as, as we go through it is that, that um, um, synergy um, or between being and doing. Tim Keller, at the start of the COVID pandemic, had uh, a Zoom call. Everyone had a Zoom call, didn't they, with, with pastors. And, they, and he encouraged pastors to put their oxygen masks on first. He said there's been lots of cases in times of crisis where followers of Jesus have reacted because they've seen a need um, and two years later they've, they've burnt out. They've seen a need, they've acted upon it, they've used up all of their reserves, their emotional, their physical and even their spiritual reserves responding to it. And what he encouraged was to put our own oxygen masks on first i.e. we need to work on our own relationship with God before we respond to others. We need to do this as followers as Jesus to make sure our strength, our guidance, our peace and our purpose comes from God. And there's three ways that we can generally react to this and sometimes we may stay in these states or sometimes... Well, I think we fluctuate between them when it comes with dealing with issues, challenges, maybe our dreams, or maybe through hard times. They're apathy, anxiety, and abiding. So apathy, this is where we ignore, it's bury the head in the sand type of thing. We ignore what what's what's in front of us, what we're stepping into. It may be that we don't feel good enough. It may be that we don't feel strong enough. It may be because we're overwhelmed. Uh, It may be a protection mechanism, Um, or maybe we just don't see the need to step into something. Anxiety can be when we take all of the responsibility on ourselves. We see the huge job to be done, the mountain to climb. We empathize with people in pain. And we use all of our energy with good intention. Um, But maybe it's we believe we solve the problem sometimes. But today's talk is about abiding. It's about experiencing peace instead of anxiety, casting our anxieties onto him. It's about being challenged by God to action in a, um, from, from the place that we're in. And in all of this, we have to start with prayer, to abide in him, to be in the presence of God, to have a continual rela- uh, conversation and relationship with our Father. It's the place where we experience true peace in God's presence, being completely accepted for who we are, and a place where we find true rest. It's also a place where we can be totally honest with God. We can even wrestle with him on certain topics. We can come to him, talk to him with complete vulnerability and pray for his kingdom to come through his work in us. And it's a place of peace and power. And we're going to talk through this. It's a place that we come to him to seek the peace that he gives. And we come to him to seek the power he gives to empower us as we walk with him and in the areas that we're involved with. We come to prayer with a restful trust, yet confident hope. So we're going to look at three things this morning as we seek God's peace and power through prayer. The first one is coming as we are, then we're going to look at a restful trust, yet confident hope, and then look at how our prayer can fuel mission. So the first is come as you are. If you have your Bible, if you could turn to Mark 1 from verse 35. Uh, The words will be on the screen if, if not. Mark 1 from verse 35. Very early in the morning, while it was still dark, Jesus got up, left the house, and went off to a solitary place where he prayed. Simon and his companions went to look for him, and when they found him, they exclaimed, Everyone is looking for you. Jesus replied, Let us go somewhere else to the nearby villages so that I can preach there also. This is why I have come. So he traveled throughout Galilee, preaching in their synagogues and driving out demons. This was quite early on in Jesus's ministry. Things were just heating up. Um, If you've got your Bible in front of you, his ministry was getting more intense. He was starting to interact a lot more with people. Um, And he needed to make time um, and room for solitary time with his father. He's just been baptized, spent time in the wilderness, and he's beginning his ministry, preaching the good news, healing the sick, calling his first disciples. Yet we get to this verse in verse 35 everyone's looking for him. The Savior has come. He's healing the sick, he's preaching the good news, and he's getting everyone's on him. Everyone wants a slice of him. But he's making the time to be on his own in solitary with God. The Son of God needed to make time to speak to his Father, to pray, to refocus, to be in conversation. The Son of God needed to do that. If Jesus needed to do that, isn't it all the more a necessary um, or a complete need that we need to do that? Um, as as sinful people, we need to be making that solitary time on a daily basis to meet with God. Do we have that mindset as followers of Jesus? Do we make time to be with God, be in his presence, abide in him, seek his will? Jesus taught it as well in the Lord's Prayer, when Jesus taught us how to pray, he said to go into a room, shut the door away from others and pray to your father in secret. He says not to raise a trumpet about the works you do or do things to look good. Why is this? It's because it, it, what, it's what makes us as followers of Jesus, is having that time with God. If we're only doing the stuff, we are depending on our own strength. We miss that warning that Jesus warns us about in Matthew 6, to be seen to be doing the right thing. Do we practice like we're raising a trumpet to others to show how righteous we are? And that's what Jesus is warning us against. And he practiced it himself, as we see in Mark 1, but all over the Gospels. He retreated to desolate places to take away the distractions and simply be with his father. So as we do this, I just want to provide three practical principles uh, to help us to do this with some reflection texts as examples. We're not going to go into them, but they will be referenced on the screen. The first one is be present. So when we make space and time with God, be present. In Exodus 3, verse 2 to 4, it says, And the angel, this is Moses, the angel of the Lord appeared to him, to Moses, in a flame of fire out the midst of a bush. He looked, and behold, the bush was burning, yet it was not consumed. And Moses said, I will turn aside to see this great sight, why the bush is not burned. When the Lord saw that he had turned aside to see, God called him out the bush, Moses, Moses, and he said, here I am. So when Moses turned aside to look to God, the Lord saw and he turned aside, as he, that he turned aside and see, and they talked. Moses needed to be present with God to truly be with him. Once God had got Mo- Moses' full attention, he called out to him from the bush. We're not multitasking beings. We can kid ourselves that we can do lots of things at once, but especially when we're making that time with God, we have to be present. It's gotta be single-tasking. We've gotta block out those other things that are bombarding us continually. Um, for our time and attention. And if you can't do it yourself, there's lots of practices that can help shut uh, other things out and focus on being in his presence. We'll come back to them later uh, as we wrap up at the end. So be present, be honest. Luke 22, verse 42 says, Father, if you're willing, so this was just before Jesus' death and he's praying in, in a solitary place again. Father, if you're willing, take this cup from me, yet not my will, but yours be done. An angel from heaven appeared to him, to Jesus, and strengthened him. And being in anguish, he prayed more earnestly, and his sweat was like drops of blood falling to the ground. Jesus was completely honest and vulnerable with his father. He was facing his own death, he knew what was coming, and he had a really heavy heart. So heavy, in fact, he sweated blood. Through all of the agony Jesus went to, it seems in this passage that he was most agonized when he was processing these things with his father. He was being totally honest and vulnerable with him. I mean, let's be honest, God knows us in and out. He knows our past. He knows our baggage, our rights, our wrongs. He knows our current circumstances, the challenges that we're currently facing, but he also knows the path that lays before us. To let God uh, speak into our lives, we need to be vulnerable. And prayer is the place where we come as we are. It's useless coming someone that we're not. We can't kid God. And Jesus has made us pure in God's sight, so we can come with confidence and boldness, with total openness and vulnerability. And it also means confessing our sins, asking for forgiveness, humbly submitting it all to him. Our strengths, our gifts, our wrongs, essentially our all. One of the songs we sometimes sing, the chorus goes, Spirit, breathe upon this altar. Father, have my undivided heart. Jesus, I surrender. All I want is to be set apart for you. Do we put ourselves on the altar before God, our all, completely open and vulnerable to him, giving him our everything, our dreams, and our darkest fears. We put all on the altar and ask God to breathe on us. And the third point is be open-hearted. We have a restful trust that Jesus has done everything for us. We can boldly approach our Father, be open and vulnerable, as we do that, we also seek to God for God to work in us. By the Holy Spirit. Reuben, my, my son, was asking what I was speaking on this morning, um, and I said it's almost a little bit like he's just obviously just about to go back to secondary school. It's almost like God has given you your mark, your GCSEs now, and then freed you to go and do your best, and empowered you to go and do your best at school. And that's what it's like. Jesus has paid the price. He's got He's got, um, what is it now, level nine? What is it? I don't know what it is. A star, whatever it is. He's, he's got a hundred, you know. He's completely and perfectly done it all for us. And that frees us to then go and serve him in his power. He gives us the, free, the, the power to change, to bind up the brokenhearted, give us freedom from what keeps us captive, Release us from darkness, essentially to walk with him and bring more of his kingdom to us and to those around us and to this town. And as we meditate on his word, listen to God's guiding voice. We must be open to change. Lecto Divina is a good tool to use, it combines reading of scripture with time to pause and reflect. It helps to let God's word soak into our hearts, mind and soul. God's word refreshes, and it also teaches and leads us. A bit like Pete did with us this morning, is speak truth, speak His word, and, and allow time to, to let it sink in, to digest it, to resonate. John 15:7 and eight says, "If you remain in me." and my words remain in you. Ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. This is to my Father's glory, that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. Remain in me, and my words remain in you. It must be essential that we're doing this daily, weekly, monthly, abiding in Jesus, growing in him, and seeking God's will. We can often come to God with, with our own agenda. And as I said, it's, we, we need to be honest. Um, but sometimes we can come saying, this is my agenda, God, sort it. And then we get frustrated that it's not happening. As we pray, we should have the mindset of what God's agenda is. And can God speak that agenda into our lives? How can we join God in the renewal of all things, starting with us? So we come as we are, and we come with a restful trust and yet confident hope. I want us to delve a bit further um, as we come to prayer about this tension that we can sometimes have between being and doing. The tension really, I I believe, comes from a formation we often get from the world, from those around us. We live in a world that if, if you do this, then you will get that. If you achieve a salary like this, then you will feel at peace. If you have a family, you will be happy. If you achieve promotion, you'll be valued. If you become fitter, you'll be more attractive. Blah, blah, blah. You get the idea. If you do this, then you will get that. This leads us to us being unsatisfied, unrewarded, where we live through this tension of performing, achieving the next thing. But the Bible doesn't talk about this tension. The being and the doing come together as we rely on God for everything. Let's turn to Matthew 11 together as we reflect on this from verse 28. It'll be up on the screen if if you haven't got a Bible. So this is Jesus speaking. Come to me all who are weary and burdened and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me for I am gentle and humble in heart and you will find rest in your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light." This is a well-known passage, but I think it helps us to frame how we should pray. Jesus talked about my yoke being easy. Um, If you don't know, a yoke was used um, to put round the necks of animals as they pulled a plow through a field. They, They were to pull. It gave them direction, but also the ability to act, to do. For us and the people at the time, it meant following their master or their rabbi or their teacher. Now, the law um, in in the Old Testament was a huge burden uh, for God's people at the time. It was a heavy load because both them and, and us break the law constantly. We constantly don't match up. But you can also have a yoke to slavery, things that control you. As I said, it might be about the next promotion, the next payday, having the perfect job, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Yet Jesus came along and said, My yoke is easy. Discipleship to Jesus should be easy. Following Jesus should be easy as we depend on him for all we need. We have a confident hope that as we follow him, he has the power to change us, the power to use us in the building of his kingdom. It's, It's his work, and so we must start with him. We have a hope and expectation that God will move and lead us to know how we play our part. And we should have high expectations of that because we know who God is. And Jesus said, And my burden is light. There's no shame or guilt when following Jesus. He has fulfilled everything. He paid the price for us to set us free. And it breaks that heavy yoke of performance, acceptance and longing and gives us a free and unconditional relationship with our God. Our burden is light as we now no need to do anything for his love or acceptance. We're simply freed to enjoy his love and the life he gives us. Um, I'd already prepared and um, with Livy, my daughter, we read a book called Thoughts to Make Your Heart Sing. Um, For those that know about the Jesus Storybook Bible, it's the same author. Um, But one evening, it was Wednesday or Thursday this week, we read two and they, perf- for me, they really challenged me about what this being and, and doing. So I'm gonna read two, one, one now and one a bit later, um, but re- let me read this. It's entitled, Something Beautiful for God. What could you do with your whole life to make God happy? Compose a symphony, climb a mountain, build a cathedral, paint a picture, write a book, invent something brilliant, pray for hours and hours. God might ask you to do any one of those splendid things, but do you know what's more beautiful to God than anything else? What he loves best, what makes him happiest when you trust him and believe that he loves you. Psalm 143 says, tell me in the morning about your love, because I trust you. The world's view of being and doing is often this big tension. We have to do this to be that. And Jesus turns it on its head. Jesus says that being is about having peace and rest as our burden is lifted and doing, following Jesus in the renewal of all things around us. And they come together, and they're powerful together. Our doing comes from our being. 1 Peter 5 says, Humble yourselves, therefore, under God's mighty hand, that he may lift you up in due time. Cast all your anxiety on him, because he cares for you. Be alert and of sober mind. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Resist him. Stand firm in the faith because you know that the family of believers throughout the world is undergoing the same kind of sufferings. Talks about being being humble before God so that he may lift you up. Casting all our anxieties, cares upon him because he cares for you. And this is where prayer becomes essential in our daily walk. If we don't rest in God and his love, we are not humbled to be lifted up by him. If we're not casting our anxieties on him, we're not able to act with confident hope. Are there any keen fishers in the building? No one goes fishing? No? Uh, me neither, by the way. <laughs> um, my, my dad used to take me and my brother fishing when I was young, and I was appalling at it. Um, what I used to do was compete in casting the line out. So I was like, it, was all, it wasn't It was about the fish for me, it was how far I could get it. And of course it would end up in a tree, or mo- most often than not it would still be behind me when, when the rod um, was in. But when you cast, you cast the line as far as you can with, with strength and passion to get it out there. And we, that's what we need to do with our anxieties, with our cares and with our dreams. We, we do that with passion, with God. We give it to him knowing what he can do with them. And so that he will act according to his will with those things. You know, those things that are zapping your energy at the moment, cast them on to him. Those dreams that you have, that you just want to get started, give them to him and ask him to to deal with them according to his will. Another one of the stories... we 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 read it was it was literally on the next page and i feel i had to read it so this is more in the kind of doing space it's called like a deer high steep rocky craggy scary places a deer's feet are made for places like this deer can stand on the highest place in the world the bible says god has some high places for you as well The path God takes you on may be steep, the climb may be hard, the trail may be narrow, the way may be perilous, but he has promised to be with you. He will always make sure there's a perfect way for you to go through. He makes you as sure-footed as a deer made for the heights. Psalm 18 says, God makes my way perfect. He makes me as sure-footed as a deer enabling me to stand on mountain heights. And lastly, prayer that fuels mission. As I said, this is really about, um, the series is about reacting to what we believe God is calling into, uh, to us as a church. Um, The vision that we've set out as a church is a transformational community following Jesus, joining God in the renewal of all things. We've got to start with prayer. It can't be a nice to have if we want to be empowered by God. Prayer is essential in our own empowerment, our community with each other, our counter formation, our growth, our discipleship with Jesus and our kingdom mission they all depend on the transforming work of the Holy Spirit in our lives and those around us. And I would like to challenge us this morning in in this next term in prayer, as a community of people stirring each other in, on, in utter dependence on God, seeking Him and His guiding. How can we have this unity of restful trust and confident hope that God gives us. A trust that is above all, resting in God and the peace and contentment he gives us. Confident hope that he is alive and working and actively involved in us and the renewal of everything. He's started this work. How can we as individuals and community step into that together? He gives us the freedom and power to do it. And we need to do this as people of God, as a church, as a community. We can't do it ourselves. So as we reflect on what this means for us, let me give you some encouragements on how we can step into it. Firstly, in our everyday. This week, start a habit of solitude, of silence from the everyday to pause and reflect In the midst of hurry, form a practice of quietness before God. In this time, seek his voice, reflect on his word, reflect on how awesome he is, reflect on the blessings that he lovingly gives us. You can start with the Psalms, you can practice Lecto Divina. There's a QR code um, to understand more about Lecto Divina and do it yourself uh, if you want to know more. You can download the Lectio 365 app. I also have a book called The Daily Office from from Peter Scazzaro, which which is the same kind of thing. It combines God's Word with reflection and prayer. It's a great place to start. Find, Find your own way of connecting with God, whether it's first thing in the morning or finding a time throughout the day. It's powerful to just take that step back and rest in him. Time to be present, to be honest in front of our God, and to be open-hearted to to let him lead us and guide us forward. So I really really challenge ourselves as we get going into the next term um, to do that but also as a community together, as Pete's saying, we'll, we'll be forming community circles. How can we do that as a community? How can we do that as huddles, as groups of three or four that can encourage uh, each other in doing this together? It's, there's an element of being in solitude by ourselves every day, but it can't um, substitute doing that as a community together. So let's make those times. The upper room starts back in October. That's a great way with no agenda to come into this room uh, and seek God and share together. uh, Share where we believe God is leading us. So that's back in October. On a Sunday, we'll, we'll continue to create chances to pray with each other. Um, as we go about our daily lives, our challenges, our opportunities that are being put in front of us. So let's get more into that habit. So I'd like to give the opportunity now for people to respond. Um, we can practice this now. So if, let, let's stand